Welcome to P3 Radio. The monkey only dances as good as the guy grinding the organ handle. Give a lesson. We're coming for you, baby. <laughs> and if you're going to call me back tomorrow, whatever I do. You better believe I took my turn a little bit. <laughs> what? Cool story, bro. PG3 Radio. Here's your host, Josh Friend. Ladies and gentlemen, next up we have crying little blind children. Richard Mulliken. I don't know. Is this making any sense to anybody out there? It's showtime! It's showtime! It's showtime! Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another edition of P3 Radio. I'm Richard Mulliken, joined by my co-host and best friend, Josh Briley. Say hey, Josh. The day is finally here. It is Pete Gas Day. I am too excited. We will have Pete Gas on P3 Radio up next after this commercial break. He speaks fluent Klingon. Backwards. The best story he's ever told was to himself. Of the two women he slept with in his life, one fell asleep, the other thought he was someone else. Dogs take him for walks. He is the world's most semi-interesting man. I don't often smoke, but when I do, I only choose Vista Vapors. Visit them today at tinyurl.com slash p3vista. Keep it flavorful, my friends. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us on the P3 Hotline right now with his book, Looking at the Lights, now available on Amazon, from the Mean Street Posse, Pete Gas. Pete, thank you for being a part of P3 Radio today. Hey, guys, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be on here. Well, man, I read your book from front to back. It was one of the most entertaining books I've read in a while. I don't read a lot, but I finished your book in record time. It was one of those enjoyable books that I looked on and I actually kind of related to. So it was awesome reading your book. I would highly recommend it to anyone out there wanting a good read, especially wrestling fans. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, it's a unique story. You know, it's a, it's a story that has never been told before with regards to no one's ever had that story on how they got involved with the, uh, with wrestling, especially WWE. And, uh, certainly will never, it, it will never be duplicated ever because it's just something doesn't happen. Uh, especially now with the performance center down in Orlando and all that good stuff. So it's definitely something very unique and it, it's something that, uh, I think any wrestling fan would definitely appreciate. A lot of people are taken back by your height. You're six foot three. Now, whenever somebody sees you in person, are they kind of like, whoa, I didn't realize you were this big? You know, what's funny is uh, I, I went to an NXT. I live down in Florida now. I live down in Jacksonville. And uh, I went to an NXT show, and I, and I was uh, backstage after the show or, and uh, bumped into Terry Taylor, who trained me when I first started. And Terry said, you know what? I never realized how big you actually are. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's funny. Um, I'm a little bigger than 6'3". I was actually 6'4 when I started wrestling, but I've shrunk. I guess all those chair shots by Bradshaw kind of knocked, knocked my vertebrae down a little closer together. So, right. But um, but for the most part, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's funny because people don't expect you to be that big when you're uh, when, when they watched you back in the day. Growing up, you were a wrestling fan, I assume. Who were some of your favorites? 
Well, I mean, first and foremost, I was a Hulkamaniac back in the day. Um, but, you know, I was always a big fan of, uh, you know, I mean, you name it, Ric Flair, uh, Steamboat, uh, Dusty Rhodes. You know, I mean, there were so many different guys that I looked up to and, and just was so enamored by as far as their work and, and how they how they were, you know, entertained and, and really just sucked me in. I was a big JYD fan. Um, Rocky Johnson. I was in, I was, you know, I was into that, uh, big time. I was, you know, I was a big time closet fan way before I even knew Shane. That was the fun part about it. Were you a Backlund fan growing up? I assume you grew up in the Northeast. I mean, were you a big Bob Backlund fan? Yeah. One of my best friends growing up was a huge Bob Backlund fan and his name was Bob. So he, he was, I, I, you know, I liked Bob Backlund. I, you know, you root for him, and you know he played that great babyface role. And um, but I gotta be honest, I, I'm a big Sarge, Sergeant Slaughter fan as well. And when Most when Sarge turned yeah. heel, it broke my heart when Sarge turned heel on and uh, started you know desecrating the United States of America. You know, we were talking about that a couple of weeks back with uh, Bill Dundee. We had Bill Dundee on. And we said, we oh, think, no kidding. Yeah, we were thinking, well, Bill was one of my trainers. I wrestled for 12 years. So Bill was okay. my first trainer, and we had him on, and we were talking. We said, we think that's maybe the last guy that gets that a, a real heat where people were damaging his cars, giving him death threats. You don't see that much anymore these days. No, but back then, with, you know, that whole, with everything that was going on with, you know, Iraq and everything, that was, that was money right there. You know, Vince pulling off that, uh, that heel turn the way he did, you know, the fact that wrestling was still uh, somewhat in question whether or not it was uh, was a work or, or if it was real, you know, that that was good stuff. That was heat, you know. That was real good. Uh, that was that was hot stuff. You're, to go to Bill Dundee uh, when we got sent to Memphis. Bill Dundee, I was. It was an honor to work with him. I was. We hell we could talk about Bill Dundee for for hours. <laughs> oh yeah, Bill's a great guy. Um, what I was gonna say was with the I don't know if you ever heard that rumor about Vince actually taking I think it was WrestleMania that year that was supposed to be outside uh, in California and they had to move it indoors. There's a rumor that they had to do that because they had sniper threats against Slaughter that time, and they had to move it indoors because they had so many threats against Slaughter that they were afraid something was gonna happen. I don't know if that's true or not, but that was the rumor that was going on around at the time. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's heat right <Yeah>. there. <laughs> Pretty early on, you guys were put in a series of matches with the Acolytes. Was that designed to kind of teach you guys a lesson about the wrestling business, or did you just piss somebody off? Yeah, that was Shane being a douchebag is what that was. <laughs> So the story behind that was Shane McMahon and I, uh, was sitting in first class with his next to his father, and uh, Rodney and I were sitting in the front row of coach. And you know we would when we flew back home uh, to Greenwich, you know we would get an early flight and everything, and we try to get as much sleep as we could. So I'd be sleeping, Rodney was sleeping next to me. Next thing you know, Rodney gets hit in the face with a magazine from the airplane. I don't know if you remember back in the day magazines would have that hard plastic cover so they protect protect the magazines yeah so they'd last 
<laughs> and Rodney got hit in the face with a magazine. So I woke up hearing Rodney make this noise. So, of course, in our group, when we grew up, if something happened, if you stubbed your toe, if you hurt or something fell, we all laughed because it was funny to us that the other guy got hurt, you know. So Rodney gets hit in the face. I start laughing, and you hear Shane laughing, you know, from first class. And Rodney picks up that magazine. He wants to throw it. And Shane, Shane just kind of looks and goes, no, no, no. And he, and he points over to Vince because Vince is doing some work or had his eyes shut, whatever he was doing. <clears throat> so Rodney basically told him to, you know, gave him the middle finger and said, F you, and goes back to sleep. So I close my eyes, too. Five minutes later, Rodney gets hit in the face again with that <laughs> with, with another magazine. So now – Vince is Vince is in on on the, on the whole act, and you, you hear in first class you hear, uh, 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 uh. that's you know that's Vince's laugh, and uh, and all of a sudden you know Rodney's re- Rodney's ready to flip out, and, and Shane's you know Shane's shaking his finger like the Kimbe Mutombo, no 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 you know, and he's pointing over to, to Vince, <clears throat> so Rodney says okay I'll I'll, I'll fix your ass. He calls uh, he calls a stewardess over and says, um, "Excuse me, uh, Shane McMahon, WWF uh, superstar, uh, is on the plane, and he said that he would love to sign for all his fans or any autographs for anyone that would like to, you know, like him when he gets off the plane." So she makes the announcement, and all you hear from first class is. Ho, 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 ho. All you hear is Vince bellowing, like laughing, like a big good belly laugh. <laughs> Shane turns to both of us like I had anything to do with anything, and he says, I'm going to get even with you two guys. <laughs> the next the next four to six weeks, every single show, it was said the Mean Street Posse versus the Acolytes, and we got our asses kicked every single night. You seem to be friends with JBL. You hear all these yep. stories about how JBL was back then. Do you think it was overblown a little bit, or is that legit? You know what it is, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get serious for a second. The day and age we live in now, if you look at someone crooked-eyed, or if you give someone a look, and uh, or if you you say something and they interpret it the wrong way, or you know, it's sexual harassment. Oh, mm-hmm. there's all these different ways of looking at things. So JBL's old school and the Mean Street Posse, no lie, we grew up old school. My brothers used to beat my ass. And if I told on I told on them, I used to get my ass kicked harder. So that's the way I was brought up. That was the way we were brought up back then and because of that, I think it made us tougher. You know, JBL liked he liked to rib on people. He liked to have some fun. He liked to make the boys laugh in the locker room. So back in the day you know, there there was a way in a, in a way of thinking in the locker room that is much different than it is today. And uh, <clears throat> you know, it was a lot of paying dues back then. And um, if you didn't pay your dues one way, you're going to pay it another way. And that's the way we had to pay our dues. And we so we didn't pay our dues like a normal wrestler. And because of that, we had to um, we got our asses kicked. I'm not going to hold back. But the the way you combat that. And I learned this as a kid from getting my ass kicked from my brothers. If you whine, bitch, moan, piss, whatever you, whatever it is, the problem is, if you, the more you complain, the more you got your ass kicked. Exactly. Right. Right. So by me not doing that, 
by me going backstage after I get my head blasted with a chair shot and I smile at Bradshaw and say, thank you, that's the day I earned his respect. So he, on Monday Night Raw, he blasted me with a chair and wrapped it around my head, and I oh, yeah. quote it as saying it was like a Fred Flintstone cartoon because I kind of look like Fred Flintstone, let's be honest. And uh, <laughs> he did wrap that chair around my head. So when we we went backstage, I looked him in the eyes, I smiled, and I said, thank you. Oh, God. He told me he told me months later, he said, that's the day I earned his respect. That's awesome. Now, a story that came out to me, and I, I knew it, but I didn't know it, I didn't hear it from the horse's mouth, was Bob Holly back in this uh, past, uh, probably about six months ago. I was doing a signing in New Jersey, and it was myself, uh, Kevin Thorne, and Bob Holly. We were sitting all together. I go to get my stuff to leave. As I'm leaving, uh, Bob Holly grabs my arm. He says, come here, I want to talk to you for a second. And I said, okay, everything all right? And he said, yeah. He goes, uh, I want I want you to know something. And I said, you know, what's that? He goes, well, I don't know if I'm going to see you again, but, you know, or when I'm going to see you, but I want you to know this. He goes, you are one tough son of a bitch. And I said, and, you know, coming from Bob, that's, yeah. that's like that's like getting like a purple heart. You know what <laughs> right, I'm saying? Right, right, right. <laughs> And uh, and I, I I just smiled at him, and he said, uh, I, said I said, why do you say that? And he said, I don't know if you know this, but in the locker room, when you guys weren't around, we used to talk about you guys. And uh, we used to try to see who could make you guys, who could break you guys, who could make you whine, bitch, moan, complain to management, you know, whatever the case is, or, or basically fight us, right. you know. And he goes, Pete, we were out in the ring, and he goes, there were there times I hit you with everything I had. We come backstage and you have a smile and you're laughing. <laughs> and he goes, and you're saying thank you and shaking my hand and smiling. <clears throat> and I, I looked at him and I kind of laughed. And I said, Bob, I got to be honest. And I'm not, this is not a knock. I'm not trying to pick a fight, but it didn't hurt. But I got to be honest. If I had bitched and moaned, you know as well as I do, you guys would have kept going. I said, and I told him the same thing I just told you guys. When I was growing up, my brothers used to beat the shit out of me. Right. And if you whine, bitch, and moan, you're only going to get your ass kicked worse. That kind of goes with, you know, you said back in the day it was a different era, but that was also true in real life, too, because back then you had winners and losers. You know, I had a video game system that required me to blow it before I would play it. Nowadays, these kids don't have to wait two seconds to turn the things on and go. It's an instant gratification thing, and it's also there are no losers. And back in right. my day, like your day and like Josh's day here, you were taught that if somebody's bullying you, you give them what is known in our business as a receipt. If somebody punches Hell you in yeah. the back of the head, you hit them in the back of the head harder. And it's going to make Amen. them stop. Nowadays, you don't Amen. have that. You don't have that at all. So right. people don't know how to deal with bullying. They don't know how to deal with losing. To your point, yeah, I think uh, that was the next question. You know, JBL having that respect for you guys because you didn't back down. You just kind of took it, didn't complain, and went on about it. Right. And that's what. And so just to finish that, that story, Bob Holly said, Pete, and I swear to God, he said this, and I get—I have goosebumps as I say this because it meant so much to me when I heard this from him. And if you ever have him on the show, you ask him this because it's a damn truth. He said, you have my respect, and that's all I wanted to hear. I jobbed a shitload of matches. You know, like, that word jobber is, is like a, a bad word. It's like a four-letter word nowadays in, uh, in, in WWE, but right. we enhanced if you want to say it the, the proper way, we enhanced a lot of talent. Right. But we also got our licks in. So 
when I talked to Stephanie when I was writing this book, before I wrote it, I, I called her and I asked her, um, I asked her what she thought, and I told her that you know I wasn't gonna. <clears throat> I told her what my intentions were on the book because there were you know obviously there's concerns when you, you hear there's a book coming out and what was going to be said, especially with my relationship with the McMahon family, and we had a long talk, and I was very impressed with Stephanie because Stephanie and I talked for over an hour uh, on a Monday night at five o'clock with a Monday night raw coming on soon. And she, she made time for me, which wow. that was phenomenal yeah. for me. I, I was very impressed with that, but that just shows the type of people that the McMahons are and they don't get enough credit for who they are or what they are because they're first class all the way. Oh, yeah. um, but with regards to that, you know, so she and I talked for quite a, you know, probably we, we spoke for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. The first probably 25, 30 minutes was, catching up talking about family and, and how you've been and all that other good stuff. But then the rest of it was all about, uh, about my book and, and everything else. But, um, but she was, she was all on board with it and she was happy for me. And, and, uh, she thought it was a great idea. And, uh, I'm, I'm very proud of this book and I thought it was something that, uh, I think the fans will really enjoy. You know, I, it's, it's funny because, you know, a lot of fans, they, they know who Pete Gast is. They know who the mean street posse are. Mm-hmm. And then there's the fans that say, ah, oh, you know, Meat Street Posse shit. They were they were jobbers, you know. Then that whole jobber thing comes back. Where Stephanie Stephanie always said, you know, we weren't jobbers because we got our licks in. We just got them. We got them in backstage. Unfortunately, we always got our asses kicked when we had to face the music in the in the ring a little bit later. You know. Well, that's right. that was your but, uh, that, that was y'all's job. You were the you were the right. quote unquote chicken shit hills. That were supposed to be tougher right. than anybody, but you were the rich, preppy kids. That was your job. So, yeah, you got your licks in, but people know you. I mean, heck, it lasted three years. Name me a jobber that lasts that long. I mean, other than Brooklyn Brawler. But name me somebody right. that's notable or somebody that you know that lasted that long as a quote-unquote jobber. It's not there. You guys were way no, more than can't. jobbers. Well, you got exactly. to think of it like this, too. I mean, every movie, each person has their part. Every puzzle, each piece is unique. You know, you, I mean, everybody's got their place. Right. And as long as, you know, you're shining, I don't think it really matters the W or the L, you know? Yeah, no. Well, the other thing about that word jobber, jobber's not in major storylines either. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> and that's why we were more of, uh, we enhanced certain talent. You know, I mean, sure, we were, you know, when we first got in, you got to remember, we were, we were with the rock, with the corporation and we did it. We did a match with rock versus stone cold, Steve Austin on, on a house show in Madison square garden, where we had to take a stunner and then rock got pissed at us. Cause we screwed him over on the match by accident. <laughs> and we got a double people's elbow right afterwards, after we got beers poured on us. So that was, uh, Talk about a thrill. Yeah. Because, <laughs> again, I mean, it's right in the title. I'm a fan. To get to get a, a stunner in in the middle of the ring in Madison Square Garden, then get a beer poured on you, and then get a, a people's elbow, and whatever, you know, it's just like, you know, it doesn't get any better than that. No, no, well, no. Well, well, circling back to what we were previously talking about, I mean, yep. do you do you think that, you know, earning the guy's respect when you're first breaking in and, you know, all the guys talking about wanting to break you and you just come back with a smile, do you think it's just 
your love of the wrestling business or just your love of wrestling that kind of kept you going more than anything? I think it's both. I'll be honest with you. I think it was both. You know, and the other thing too is, um, you know, Rodney and I used to drive on the road and I think I wrote about this in the book where, you know, our first and foremost, I think our biggest concern was we wanted to make sure that whoever we worked against, because we were so green and we didn't know what we were doing at first, because you got to remember Vince McMahon took two guys with athletic ability with zero knowledge of the business. Zero, and that's why this story is unique. We had zero knowledge of how to take a bump, how to do anything, how to do it. We had no offensive moves because we didn't know shit. Put us in the ring on Monday Night Raw and said, don't hurt my guys, don't get hurt, and put on a good show. And we made something that was supposed to last for two weeks prior to WrestleMania. We made it last for three years. And, you know, that's a hard thing to do. You know, you listen to any, like, backstage redneck or somebody that's at NASCAR and they'll look at wrestling and go, well, heck, I could do that. Or you listen to people say, well, all they're doing is just pretend fighting. There is a lot that goes into making wrestling look the way it looks. And when it doesn't look that way, it is just, it's horrible. I like to, I like to compare it to go to the NFL and try to block a guy like Ray Lewis. <laughs> When when you have no experience on how to hell to block, right? You better have a tire tool. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck or yeah. something in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you when you guys made your debut in 1999, you were 29 years old with no training, like you 28. said. 28. 28. I was just tw- I was 28. Yeah, about tw- yeah 28. 28. You had you just said no training, uh, just going out yep. there on a televised show. What did you guys yep. do to prepare? Because I'm sure it was nerve wracking. Uh. <laughs> Pretty much, you know, like you go down the ring, you think you're going to trip, you think you're going to trip through the ropes, which right. kind of would have made the fo- character funny. <laughs> you just went out and did it. And we, you know, like, like I, I just to double back on what I used to say was Rodney and I used to be in the car and we used to drive from city to city. And the first and foremost thing was we had to make sure people did not get hurt on our watch. So if we were working a match, we would never make, we would make sure that no one ever got hurt with us secondly obviously we wanted to put a big show on do the best possible thing we could for the mcmahon family because shane is our boy we we you know like i would run through a burning building for him and he knows that and he would i know he would do the same for me because he's done things for me that no one knows about in, in my life and uh and that's not even including the greatest gift he's ever given me which was the opportunity which that the opportunity to be a part of WWE or WWF or whatever you want to call it, literally back then those three years has been still with me to this day. So, you know, and I told them after we got released, I'll never be able to repay you for what you've done for me. With all the money that they have, you would never know it, right? Because they are human beings and they are good people and they they do a lot for society and they look out for people and they're just they're solid and they, you know. And I, you know, I leave, I read reviews about my book and people say that I, you know, and I'm, I'm going to swear right now or I'll probably yeah, say good. something that's probably bad. So you could bleep me or whatever, no, 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 you're but I've heard it. comments that, you know, that I've blown, I'm blowing chain in, 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 in the book. Well, shit, he, these people don't know half of it as far as what this kid has done for me. Right. And they don't know about my relationship with this kid and they don't, and I call him a kid because I've known him since we were kids right. and 
the, the, the shit that he's done for me and the way he is as a human being and what he's done for other people in our town and, and for just, just in our town, you know, and how he's helped people and just a good person, you know, and that goes for the whole family, but those people don't know me. I'm glad social media wasn't as big as it was back then because I, I, I have thick skin, but eventually that shit gets to you. So yeah. I don't know how some of these people do it because I would probably just shut the shit off, to be honest with you. But. <laughs> well, you know, wrestling business is like it, the wrestling business has always been that way. It's <clears> kind <throat> of been like, why am I not getting that opportunity? They must be doing something. But, you know, Josh and me have been best friends since we were like five years old. And I couldn't right. tell you the amount of times that we probably heard. Well, you think they're just gay for each other? They just yeah. they're just they're dating each other. That's why they're so close. It's like sometimes people can't understand or they can't accept. They have that jealousy factor to where they can't accept that people can just be friendly with each other and just really like to be around them and say positive things without getting anything in return. Right, but I mean, honestly, not saying that you guys are gay, but if you were, who the hell gives a <laughs> right, shit? Right, no, it's, yeah, I mean, but, but I mean, we're not. Uh, I mean, but... <laughs> with regards, I, I, you know, right. I'm just saying, you know, right. but I mean, with regards to that, I mean, my whole take on that is if if that made you, I'm not saying that you guys are gay by <laughs> any means, right. I guess don't you. get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. If I was, but my I point is, but my point is, but my point is, if you guys were, who cares? It doesn't affect me. It doesn't make my paycheck bigger or smaller. Or right, right. Doesn't affect my sleep at night. As long as you're happy, that's all that matters. And God bless. Right. So if you guys want to, if you guys want to come out and admit something now, then just go <laughs> ahead and do it. Let's do it on the radio. Well, we were just correlating it to the fact, you know, it's kind of like people can't believe when somebody's close for so long it would do something like i would take a bullet for richard yeah you know it's they can't believe that that's the only angle that you're really just really good friends with somebody the way you were talking about shane i mean when you're really good friends with someone and you would do things for someone it's kind of like people get jealous because yeah. you know oh I can't, he'll stab him in the back for sure you yeah. know no never well, that's it. Are you, you guys are on Spooner or nothing right now, right? No, 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 no. no, no. no. Not anymore. Right. That's I at mean, least what we're going to talk about. We'll talk about the interview later, see how it went, and then maybe we'll see how the Spooner okay. goes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Which, you know, uh, speaking of Shane, you know, we, we don't want to ask a lot of Shane questions because we, we know you get that all the time. We want to bring you on and talk about you. And what I did have one follow up thing that just popped in my head about Shane. Okay. Uh, there was a video that came out from a news story talking about a helicopter crash and they follow they finish the interview <laughs> and they go, Is your dad Vince McMahon? And he goes, Yes he is. Just very serious. <laughs> what was your thoughts about that? He had a helicopter crash? So now I don't know if you kinda heard when you asked about the helicopter crash, I kinda laughed. <laughs> so it kind of goes back to the whole thing. When something, when something fucked up happens to one of us, we kind of laugh. <laughs> so the day that happened, I didn't even know what happened, man. I'm working. I'm, I'm out visiting my customers and stuff. And, and all of a sudden, my phone blows up like you wouldn't believe. Hey, how's Shane doing? How's Shane doing? I'm like, I don't know. Shane's doing good. What's the matter? And it, like everyone's asking me. I'm getting text messages, phone calls. And all of a sudden, I start getting links and that Shane was in a helicopter crash. I was like, oh, shit. So I pick up the phone. I call him. He answers, like, on the first ring. And I said, what happened? And he starts laughing. So I start <laughs> laughing because now I know he's fine, you know. Right. And I go, you, I go, what did you do now? And he said, oh, I was in a little, uh, I had a uh, little helicopter crash. <laughs> so I said, get the fuck out of here. So we're talking. 
and he he just kind of said that um the helicopter uh he said he was he got done with SmackDown and he was flying out to the Hamptons out east on Long Island. Back then, I was living on the island too, and uh, but not out east because that's where all the money is. And uh, <laughs> we, so, all of a sudden, he said he felt a, a bang in, in the uh, in the helicopter. So the so the the pilot looks at Shane and says, uh, "We're going down." Shane looks at him and says, "Okay." So then he like typical Shane, you know. <laughs> so the next thing you know, so the helicopter, God bless me, he he lands perfectly in the water. They jump out, and you know Shane, Shane, and he gets out, and and I'm watching. I I get home, and I'm watching the video. You know, I get off of him, and I, I I'm like, I'm just glad you're okay, and he's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And, you know, he, he, and he knows sells the shit out of everything, so. He won't tell if he was if he shit his pants that night or that day. He ain't saying nothing because he knows he get his balls busted. Right. So anyway, he uh, that night I'm watching the news the news thing the news feed and I'm looking at him and he's like you know cool as a cucumber. He plays that thing like it's he played it like a fiddle like yeah. And it's like oh you know we we landed and pilot says it's going down. You know everything he said on on the news is basically what he says to me. And I said, that motherfucker. As I called him up, I go, you, I said, I said, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. I, I said, I go, you played it like, like you went over a fucking speed bump. You, I go, you just landed in, in the water in a helicopter. And he just, he just kind of laughed it off. But, um, but that's Shane. You know, Shane, Shane is, I'll, I'll be honest. And, I, and you can quote me on this. Shane is fucked up. <laughs> and that's the best way to say it. He's be, always been fucked up. That'll be so, the title and, of the podcast. P3 Radio. That's Shane fine. Is fucked up. <laughs> that's fine. You, you you could you could put it in capital letters. The um but that's just that's the way he is, man. He's just he's he's got big balls. He's always been an adrenaline junkie. That's why I've always I, I say it in the book and that's the way he's always been. It's it's he's you know, whether it's surfing on the car, on doing 80 miles an hour on the highway or when we were kids or, and all this shit is true. This is not made up stuff. Like he legitimately did all this shit. And, uh, he's just, he's crazy. He's just crazy. He, he, he just, he loves that rush, man. And that's why he climbs to the top of those fucking cages all the time and jumps. So, but, um, I think that last one got him pretty good. Cause, uh, I don't see I don't see him getting involved in this mania too much, but uh, you never know. Right. We still got about, we still got about a, a little over a month left, so anything can happen, especially in WWE. But he, uh, I know that last cage, uh, it, it it definitely jarred some things loose. So, uh, which again, he tried no selling me and telling me that he didn't have that nothing hurt and nothing got, you know, he was fine. And then all of a sudden I read on the internet that he, he's breaking ribs and separating his shoulder. And I called him and, and I called him out on it and he just laughs because he won't sell it. So, <laughs> well, you know, that, but, that whole, that whole situation with falling through that table, most of the times when you have a table and believe me, I'm not taking that bump for anything, um, may, maybe a million dollars, but you know, that table is supposed to give way. And even though he had an airbag under it, you know, my thought was that. Why airbag... do you got to give it away, man? Why do you got to give away everything? God damn. Was it not in the book? I, I thought it was in the book. No, it wasn't in the book. Uh... I can't give everything away. Well, to, my, po- to my point was. Hey, Fabe. Hey, Fabe. To my point was, 
It's like the table couldn't break away because the bag was out. It would be almost like hitting a car wreck and you hitting that airbag. It was almost like that thing being there made it worse because it didn't have any give. The airbag, first of all, that airbag was like blowing up uh, like a like a like a pool, um, some kind of like pool thing, you know, like like a like a pool toy or something. And that table is still a table, right? And uh, and you know, I was sitting for the first one for Taker. I was sitting right there, man. I was I was I was a uh, fourth row center center right there, and uh, I was and I was nervous for him, man, because I you know. It had been a while, and I knew I only went there because I heard he was going. When as soon as I heard he was going in the cell, I was there, man. I was just like, and I told him, I was like, I, w- I want to, you know, I want to come because I know you're going to do something stupid. So he's the one that got me those seats in the fourth row. And it, man, when he when he when he jumped off that thing, he was picking up speed. It felt like as he was going down, it just, he just kept going faster and faster and faster. But it seemed like the second time he did it, he just. I don't know. Maybe gained some weight or something. He 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 literally. I mean, he was flying. He was moving coming off that thing. He he nailed that thing pretty hard. But I know he uh, he hit it hard and he cracked some ribs and separated his shoulder. And but he's a tough kid, man. Nothing's gonna. He'll do anything for the business in the company. You were the opponent for Randy Orton during his tryout match. Now. Yep. Thinking back to back then, what was your perception of Randy at the time? Did you think he was going to make it big, or did you just think, ah, it's another guy? You know what's funny is they put me in the ring with Randy Orton, who Cowboy Bob's his father, so right. talk about pressure alone, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, so now you got pressure there because you want to make sure the kid looks good. On top of it, you don't know what the hell you're doing. You're still learning yourself, so he knows more than you do, which is – not a whole lot more, but it was pretty cool. And the, the most, the, the biggest, the, the more important cool thing about it, if that's even sounds like an intelligent sentence, Ooh, is that, that, um, yeah, he never, um, he never forgot that. And I thought that was amazing. And, you know, to this day, every time I see him, he reminds me of that. And we always have a smile and a hug about it and, and a handshake or whatever. And, um, I always thought that was really cool, man. You know, as big of a star as he is, and to remember where his tryout was and who it was against—that yeah. means that means a lot, man. That really does. <clears throat> and then I found out, and I had forgotten this one, and I felt bad because I, I kind of wish I knew the whole story because I would have put this in the book. But Shelton Benjamin was another one. He's another guy uh, who, wow. uh, when I tried out, he was—it uh, was or when he tried out rather. It was against me, at the at the same uh, at the same facility for WWE. Shelton Benjamin was one of the best athletes I've ever seen in the ring. One of the best. Pure Bro, he's athletes. a freak of nature. Yeah, freak of nature. This even, guy can jump out of the arena. Yeah, yeah. even he, Brock Lesnar. You know. He said when when he was at the University of Minnesota wrestling and all that, he said Shelton was like a, a assistant coach and he had wrestled the year before. He said he's a freak. Yeah. I mean, people don't know half of what Shelton Benjamin's really about. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, every bit of God given ability. Um, I you know you just never know. You know, they teamed him up with uh, with Charlie Haas, and you know you you, you put him with. Kurt Angle and everything, and you know, you give him, you pave him that way, and then for whatever reason, you never, you never know what the reasons are. All of a sudden, they just take it away from you. So, right. um, for some reason, you know, 
who knows who knows what happened or you never know no one ever knows but um it's just one of those things that happens up in Stanford that you just all of a sudden you find out it's over you've been you were in wrestling for a little while what would you say was the best rib that you've ever heard of or was a part of or whatever well uh well there's a lot of them i mean there's yeah, that's one of the, the best things ribs i mean I, I i did one to lance cade which i i we were in memphis championship wrestling and i i actually loved it i had a, I had a ball with it and god bless him i rest in peace to lance and yeah. um i had i was chewing tobacco back in the day and uh i used to keep my tobacco in my my rolling briefcase i'm not briefcase my rolling suitcase and um i asked i asked him to get my uh <laughs> can of tobacco for me you know because i was going over a match and he did and I had this thing planned out, and I, I don't know. I every once in a while I come up with a good one, and uh, <clears throat> I had it. The guy running Memphis Championship Wrestling, Terry Golden, I had him in on it, and I said, "I'm going to say my wallet's missing, and we're going to blame we're going to blame Lance." And we had a whole thing where we pulled him into a room with with police officers, and and uh, said, you know, he he stole my wallet, and uh, they were going they handcuffed him, and he was. Poor kid. He was Lance Cade was probably about twenty years old. Just got out of Shawn Michaels Wrestling Academy. Big as a house. Just and he cried and it was just so sad, man. I, I, and I and I did everything possible to keep a straight face. I was biting the inside of my cheek, and I was just like, and I was like, that's fucked up, Lance. I was like, I can't believe, man. We're supposed to be like a family here, and just giving him all this shit. And um. And just giving him all this shit, and uh, and he was like, he's like, Terry, I'm being set up, and I was just like, yeah, I'm like, that's fucked up, and I just, and I was, meanwhile, I walk in the bathroom, and I'm trying not to bust a gut laughing in the bathroom, but yes, and then all of a sudden, I just couldn't take it anymore. I go, Lance, I'm always fucking with you, man, and then all the cop, the cops, and, and and Terry, and we all started laughing, and the poor kid was like sweating bullets because he thought he was going to get arrested and get fired. <laughs> I felt so bad for him, but it was a good rib, and I miss him to death, man. He was a good guy. Well, you know, you're saying names here when you're talking about these stories, and me and Josh yeah. are looking at each other like kids at Christmas because we're starting to recognize names. And yeah, yeah. Lance Cade was one. Um, we're from Jackson, Tennessee, which is right around the Memphis territory. Terry yeah. Golden is actually from here. And we were at a show here. It was an MCW show at the Omen Arena in Jackson, Tennessee in, I think, 2000, it was 2001. August of 2001. Yeah, and you wrestled Shooter Schultz. Which I remember we were yeah. I was pumped for because I was a big Pete Gas fan. You were the oh, guy thanks, no no offense to Rodney or Joey or any of the other guys, but you were that guy to me, and I hope this isn't offensive, but you fit that gimmick perfectly. The way you acted, the way everything, I, I started out hating you, even though I knew about wrestling at the time and I was kind of on yep. to the game. I knew what they were yep. wanting me to do. I still hated you at first, and then I turned to really, really liking you. And you and MCW, you had impressed me. I remember it was like watching my kid play football. I remember watching you wrestle that match at, with Shooter Schultz and going, my gosh, this man has gone so far in his career, and he's lost a like." you've lost a lot of weight. You're like this big yeah. buff guy now. And I'm like, and I was just, man, I was blown away. But you mentioned yeah. Terry golden and you yep. mentioned some of the other guys. Uh, what was your first reaction when you heard you were going to Memphis? I was sick to my stomach. Cause we, we had always heard. So 
the reason why I was sick to my stomach is because when I, when I was 23 years old, I was, I walked into Shane's office and I always wanted to be a wrestler. And I, I said, Shane, you know, I want to get into business. And he goes, Oh, you don't want to do this. He goes, they send you to Memphis. Uh, and I'm like looking at him like Memphis, like, like it's a third world country or something. And I said, right. what about it? And he goes, now nah, they send you to Memphis. He goes, you got to go. You got to set up the ring. He goes, you got to, he goes, you make 20 bucks a night. He says, uh, he goes, you empty your bank account. You're not, you can't afford to have a job cause you got to leave early and you got to go, um, set up the ring in whatever city you're in. And then you got to you know, hope to get rest the wrestle. And if they give you a chance and you know, he downplayed the shit and he didn't want me to be involved with it. So, right. you know, he talked me out of it. Um, and then, so when we heard we were going to Memphis, I was like, damn, you know, I mean, I knew we were going to make more, we we're going to make more than 25 bucks a, a night, but you know, we had, we had heard all these horror stories about, or I had heard of all these horror stories about Memphis, you know, and you also you also are like, does that mean we're going to be taken off TV? You know, like you got to remember, we, we went from being on the street to Monday night raw and pay-per-views and WrestleMania to also oh, now we're going to Memphis. But we had to learn, and you know, we, we didn't know, and we didn't understand that you had to learn philosophy of a match. You had to learn how to, you know, you had to learn how to get six people in the crowd in Arkansas excited. You know, if you can work six people and get them fired up about your match, then you can get twenty thousand, you know, in an arena, or fifteen thousand at Madison Square Garden. You can get them all worked up there. Right. It's harder to get six people worked up than it is to get fifteen thousand at the Garden. So. You know, it was one of those things where we just were so naive to the business. But to go back to what you're saying, you know, like when I first started, I was an offensive lineman. I still had an offensive lineman's body, you know. And then when you start picking the brains of, you know, the best of the business, all of a sudden it's like, you know, you you go to the gym because you you get into a city like Dallas or wherever. And, you know, everyone's at the gym and you you start doing, you start working out with these guys or or China. China used to beat the shit out of us in workouts. (laughs) We used to, I used to get, her leg workouts were, were killer workouts man but um you know like stuff like that like uh you know you start to learn things and you start to eat right and you know you're on the road and you're not you know you're not eating hamburgers and french fries you're eating grilled chicken and egg whites you know and and it it just becomes a a different mindset and uh that's why when you first saw me when i first started doing vignettes i was every bit of 285 290 because i still had an offensive line body and then by the time we got to memphis i was Shit, I was doing. I was waking up in the morning. I was doing an hour of cardio, and then I was coming home. I was, I was going to tanning tanning salon, and I was going home eating. Then we were getting abs, and I were Joey abs, and I were getting in the car and driving to uh, whatever city, and we pack you know we pack food and a case of beer. We always had a case of beer, and um, we go to these you know those dry towns in Arkansas. We it used to be a blast <laughs> because we go yep. we'd go do our matches, and then we'd be in these dry towns in Arkansas. And we'd be in the parking lot drinking beers after, and the cop would walk up. He goes, he, he, "The guys knew me by name," and they'd be like, "Pete, you know you're not allowed to do this." I'm like, "No, I got a bag on it. Look, I got a bag on it." <laughs> so, so, but um, we had a lot of fun, you know. And everyone was real cool, you know. They understood, but they gave us a lot of leniency. But um, 
when you were talking about the Shooter Schultz mess, I, I probably wasn't even wearing a sweater vest, right? I was wearing a singlet, oh, you probably. you were in a singlet, yeah, you, and you look great, yeah. man. It's on YouTube. Yeah, I um, would love to see that. Yeah, I'll I would send, love to see that Shooter Schultz match. Yeah, it's not the entire because, match, but it's clips okay. of the match. But I'll send it to you, man. Yeah, it was it was a good show. It was a good match. Cool. I, I look forward to it because uh, I have photos from some of the stuff that we used to do, and I, I don't even know if some of them made the book or not. I, I feel like it's, it's been years. I feel right. like it's been decades since I wrote that book. It's been so long. But, um, you know, it was uh, – Shooter, Shooter was awesome, man. He was he, he was a guy – he reminded me of a lot of like a guy that could work like Chris Benoit. Right. He had that look. He had that intimidation, and he can go. For some reason, you know, I don't know if it was the he didn't have the microphone skills or whatever the case was, but he maybe that was it. But they just didn't give him a chance. Nowadays, if you go to the performance center, you have no choice. You know, like you, that what they have now, what Matt Bloom's doing, Prince Albert, what he's doing down there, man, he's, it's, it's something special, man. It's, he, I got a, he gave me a tour. My wife and I had a tour about a year and a half ago, and it was just I was blown away. I was like, wow, can't I couldn't believe what what they have down there. You know, it's funny because you say Prince Albert, or and we always look at him. We go Baldo because in Memphis Baldo. he was Baldo. Right. Baldo. Yeah. <laughs> if I had said Baldo, I didn't know if you guys would know. That's oh, yeah. I, we call him Baldo. Oh, I that's call him awesome. Baldo. Yeah, that's how we knew him when he right. first came into WWE. See, everybody that came through Memphis because Memphis was the de- developmental place. Right. We, we right. saw him first, so that was like our one notch up. And yeah, right. man. So Baldo is how we always called him. But yeah, it's it's an awesome facility down there. Right. So Baldo's running NXT now, and uh, he's uh, he's actually in about two weeks. Uh, he, him, his wife, and two daughters are coming up to Jacksonville. They have a show in, in Jacksonville for NXT, and then he's going to spend about four days at my house. And man, I can't wait to see him. Unfortunately, he's got a, he's so big he's got a shower in my shower instead of showering <laughs> in the in the spare shower. Just, right. But it's okay. <laughs> so. As long as he doesn't pee down the drain, we're good. <laughs> what are your thoughts on uh, working with beautiful Bobby Eaton in Memphis? And oh, man. Is he not yeah. one of the nicest guys you've ever met? Yeah. Oh, man, we had so much fun with him. We had some of the Haas brothers, me, Joey Abs. We used to we used to mess with him. He used to mess with us. And we used to have so much fun with him, man. And, uh, you know, like for hours, and, you know, we, we used to have training training on Thursdays and we, we, we'd be so beat up and it's sore and <clears throat> just from TVs that week. And we, we'd have, uh, every Wednesday night, we'd be down in, uh, at old miss and some, in a, in a pool hall where you couldn't go to on, up to the top rope. Not that we wanted to, but we got, you go to the top rope, you hit your head on the ceiling <laughs> and, uh, right away. So you're coming off the road from TVs and you go down to Mississippi and then you got to go Thursdays into training, and Bobby's been working with us on training. You know, it'd be him, and it would be uh, Tracy uh, Tracy Smothers, and um, just you know, like the, the guys we learned from. You know, we had we had so many great trainers come through Memphis back in in the day. You know, Stephen Regal. Yep. Uh, we had we had some of the best, man. We uh, Nine Heart. So, but, but but something about Bobby, man. He was just he was the man. You know, like. And we used to we used to fuck with him all the time. We go, Yo, Bobby! He just yell, shut up. You know, he gets so pissed off, and he just yell, but you just love him to death. You know. Oh, yeah. One of the nicest guys I've ever met, in or out of the ring. We interviewed him a couple months back. Uh, not the best interview on the phone, but no, no, it's one of that. That's one of those things. You're better off. You're better off taking him to a bar, go belly up, 
and buy him a couple of drinks and just put a tape recorder right there and not even let him know and just let him sh- just shoot on him. Yep, yep. That's that's the best way to get a best interview out of him. You mentioned the the rings you couldn't come off the top rope because you'd hit the ceiling. But the other question I was going to ask you was, well, I'm sure in some of these rings that weren't put together, I know you mentioned in your book about some rats. We won't bring that up right now. We'll let people read about it in the book. But was you ever in a ring that might have broke or a ring rope broke or the ring just fall apart? Yeah, Joey Abs. Uh, well, I uh, we we've had man, we've had rings um, we've had rings in uh, in Memphis uh, where the ropes broke, and uh, actually Joey Abs hit the ropes and, and went straight through them, and, and they broke. Yeah. Um, you know, we also trained in with the ring that was made for Andre the Giant, which. So the you know the how the how the uh, steel goes, you know, ex- a certain distance apart right. underneath the ring, the framework. Mm-hmm. Well, they were a little closer for Andre because they needed more support, and it was like it was like taking bumps on the concrete, you know. So it was like, so I mean, we've we've seen it all, man. It just you know, it all depends. This or God, God rest his soul. We did a show in Arkansas, which I was happy as hell about. He broke the ring. <laughs> he did a, he did a, he, I swear to God, man, he did a bump off the, he did a bump on the ring. He broke the friggin' ring and uh, the show was over and I didn't have to wrestle that night. I was so happy, <laughs> well, you know, you... but I, Hey, I got a story for you. Yeah, go ahead. Terry Golden. I, I just, Terry doesn't listen to this, does he? Uh, it doesn't uh, matter. There's anyway, a lot of nine shit. people. And, so yeah, you're it, good. <laughs> all right. Good. Terry Golden, Joey Abs and I were banged up like a mother from, from doing WWE mm-hmm. or WWF. And um, we did not want to wrestle. And it was snowing. It was one of those rare snowstorms in Memphis. <clears throat> and when I say snowstorm, it was a dusting in New York. But in Memphis, it was a big oh, yeah. deal. It was like Shut a snowstorm. Like, yeah. You would have thought it was a fucking, like a foot or two of snow <laughs> in Memphis. Yep. But it was only like, it was literally like a dusting, like a little, probably half inch. Like, I didn't even break stride driving to Arkansas. And I remember driving, and uh, I remember there was, it was an armory, and I remember there was uh, a Sonic across the street. And Abs and I had a cooler beer, as we always do, and we stopped over at Sonic, and we pulled out into the parking lot, and we had our, we had everything there. We, we walk in, and Terry, Terry comes running over to me. He goes, Pete, 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 you got to be honest with me. He goes, how are the roads? Come on, you're from New York. How are the roads? Seriously. I said, Terry, I ain't going to lie to you. They're terrible. I was like, <laughs> he goes, all right, that's it. Everyone, show's over. Forget it. We're canceled. We're going. And, and, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, we're, he's telling everyone to take the ring down. Jason, that's what Jason's his real name. Joey Abs looks at me, and he, he just smiles at me. We get in a car. We had our Sonic burgers, and, and we, drank, we drank the whole case of beer on a ride home. And he just laughed the whole time. He goes, you're good, man. He goes, you're real good. <laughs> you talked a lot about getting pulled over by the same cop in, yes. when you were in the Memphis Territory. Did you ever yep. have to go through Oakland when you were wrestling in Memphis? Did it ever claim you as a victim? It was a v- little speed trap town. I don't remember the name of the town, but I do remember the one I, was, the one I, I got hit at was always on the way back from Arkansas. And I remember there was a straightaway and it was 38 miles to where I had to go. And once he hit the straightaway and that cop was waiting for me every single time. And every single time he pulled me over. Well, the first couple of times he pulled me over and he was pissed off, but never gave me a ticket. And then it became a joke. 
it where after like the third or fourth time, I said, "No, I knew you were here. That's why I did it." And he and he, and he uh, I was speeding, and it, I just I just wanted to say hi to you. And he just uh, you know he laughed it off. He never once gave me a ticket. We always laughed. We always had a good time. But he never he was never a jerk about it. But I always got pulled over, and it was always coming home from Arkansas. And I don't remember the town to be honest with you. Right. So in your book, you mentioned Rodney and Joey and everybody. So what are they doing now? Yep. Are they still in the wrestling business? No. Uh, the only one, I, honestly, I, I'm more affiliated with wrestling, and I'm really not anymore. Uh, Rodney's uh, making prosthetics uh, up in New Jersey. Uh, he's divorced. He's got uh, two little girls that he loves dearly and does a lot with them. Joey Abs lives in North Carolina. He took over his father's business. He's just doing his thing down there. He still he still hangs out with the Hardy Boys from time to time. But yeah, they're just doing the thing, and I you know I'm I'm due to make a call to them because I usually do the uh, I'm usually the uh, social social butterfly with those guys. <laughs> well, man, I have not read a book, and I said this before. I haven't read a book where I've connected so much, whether it be an arm drag problem or seeing a light when you're taking a chair shot. Uh, having a family member in law enforcement, uh, having a family member that wasn't there to watch you in your first match. That was my grandfather yeah. for me, uh, who also passed away with cancer, man. This book from front to back just reminded me of me. Everything that you were saying was my life word for word, except for being friends with Shane and being an all-star college athlete. Everything else was just awesome. And that book is titled Looking at the Lights, My Path from Fan to Wrestling Hill. And that is available on Amazon right now. Ladies and gentlemen, go and get that book. Pete Gass, thank you so much for being a part of P3 Radio today, man. We really appreciate you being cool and hanging out this long. I, man, I had a great time. And I always have a good time uh, talking about something I love dearly. And I appreciate it. And hopefully people enjoy the book and spread the word because that's the only way Right now, the way it is, uh, word of mouth is the only way it's going to get out. So uh, hopefully people read it like you and enjoyed it like you and uh, spread that word. So, But thank you. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. And you can always tell when I uh, have fun in an interview because I start throwing some curse words out and have some fun. <laughs> so um, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. When you go shopping for wine, do you look at the labels? Do you stare at the price and wonder if the wine is worth the expensive tag? Well, stop it, because Wine of the Month Club has you covered. Every month, Wine of the Month Club is going to send you two bottles of high-quality wine right to your front door. And what better way to say I'm thinking of you than a subscription to the original Wine of the Month Club for a friend or a sweetheart. Each month, they'll be reminded of your thoughtfulness and will receive the monthly wine letter and newsletter binder. Recipes, wine knowledge, and great wine, and the opportunity to get more of their favorites is at hand. Give with confidence and joy, knowing that you're a part of the original Wine of the Month Club. By the way, there are no dues, no fees, no hidden charges. Cancel any time with no obligation. Just pay no more than $23.96 plus shipping for two great bottles of wine. Go there now. Sign up by visiting our link, tinyurl.com slash p3wine. That's tinyurl.com slash p3wine. The Wine of the Month Club, the original wine club since 1972. Florida Ticket Station. Your one-stop shop for discounted tickets on all of Orlando's best theme parks. Orlando. All of Orlando's local attractions. Orlando. All of Orlando's events. Fucking Orlando. All of Orlando's local attractions. Orlando. 
and so much more. They offer affordable tickets to Disney World, Mickey Mouse, Universal Studios, Back to the Future, SeaWorld, Legoland, Everything is Awesome, Bush Gardens, I don't know what that is, and so much more. But, but seriously, Josh, they are licensed and insured with the state of Florida. Florida. So you can rest assured that your reservations are valid. <sighs> Summer's coming and vacation time's right around the corner. Round the corner. So go to tinyurl.com slash p3florida and book your Orlando vacation today. Today. tinyurl.com slash p3florida. Florida. P3 Florida. Well, the sound of that song means it is time once again to say goodbye to everybody and thank them for listening to P3 Radio this week. But we're not going to do that. <laughs> because yeah. we don't appreciate you. I'm just ribbing you. No. We appreciate every one of you That's listening to our podcast today with Pete Gass. And he was a super... Super duper guest. Yeah, he was really cool, and we thank him for being on the show. Once again, you can pick up his book, Looking at the Lights, on Amazon right now. But that's going to do it for us. For Josh Brawley, I'm Rich Mulligan saying thanks, everyone, again, and good night. Be the